Having more or less made it to the archives, it's time for the Thunderman to get down to business. It's a simple job. Do something to the filing cabinet slash contracts and then get out. That said, what kind of heist would it be without a few hiccups? It's great when friends show up to the party, isn't it? We listen to episode 34 of Taz Graduation, so you know what that means. It's time for Talking Taz. Welcome back to Talking Taz, your weekly journey through the worlds of the Adventure Zone Graduation. With you as always is me, your host and producer, PJ. And with me as always is my lovely co-host, Lauren. Hi. Lauren, what do you think of this episode? God, you know, similar to last time, I'm so on the fence about it. I'm not on the fence. I know exactly what I love and I don't love about this episode. That's true. And yes. by the way, the answer is I love 95% of this episode and I hate 5% of this episode. <laughs> Wow, that is some fast math. I, yeah, there were parts of it that I really, really liked. There were parts of it that I was like kind of ambivalent about. So overall, I was like, I don't know where to file this episode. This episode is like simultaneously, honestly, one of my favorite episodes of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like hands down, I think top, top 10 Ooh, easily wow. with one of my bottom 10 moments of the podcast. And I hate, hate, hate that that bottom 10 moment is also a cool fucking moment. <laughs> It is. It is a cool moment. It is so cool. But at the same time, I was like, oh, really? Really? Yep. We'll get to it. We're we're jumping so far ahead. <laughs> Literally, it's the end of the episode. And we're jumping so far ahead. I know. So, I mean, let's just get into it. Yeah. So, Fear Bog and Argo are squaring off against the security guards. Fitzroy heading up to those stalactites. And uh, I would like to say we were both kind of right about like the speed yeah we're like it was slow but eventually he was going to start reaching terminal velocity so like we were both kind of right we were both kind of right but thank god like you said last time this is dnd so. i was like thank god it was dnd mechanics <laughs> and again that's why i was so not worried last time because i was like what's the worst that can happen and yeah i was right what's the worst that can happen exactly you were right the boys roll initiative and argo's up first he pulls out his belaying pin and hits one of the guards over the head with it no idea what that is i don't either <laughs> okay <laughs> i was like i don't remember this in his inventory maybe it's just like something i forgot but if you don't remember it this is clint being clint a belaying pin is a solid metal or wooden device used on traditionally rigged sailing vessels to secure lines or running rigging oh my god that totally makes sense for him to have i just you don't... have seen them on uh the sailing ship columbia <gasps> they're the things that they attach the rigging to on the ship oh yeah 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 that's like that's a fearsome thing to have in your pocket because it's the actual pin at the head of it so mm. i mean it's it's handheld easily and i mean it makes sense for him to have a belaying pin it's just a blunt object for him to do damage with yeah i love that instead of his like your typical quote-unquote like your knife or like your club he's like and he's no. probably yeah he's probably like being like i'm not gonna use my swords because i don't want to kill the guards so like what's a neat sailor thing a belaying pin and now that we know what a belaying pin that's pretty cool that's super okay yeah no into it but he crit fails and so the guard gets to try to go back at him but the guard also crit fails uh, which is always a fun way for that to happen <laughs> At the beginning of combat, we have two critical <laughs> two <crit> failures. <laughs> Fearbog is next, and he casts Hold Person on both cards, which is successful. <sighs> That's uh, and so thank God it is, because yeah. it makes the rest of this really easy. It does. And he's had so much like hit or miss 
with like his hold person and charm person spells this entire campaign that when Travis was like, wow, they fail. I was like, oh my God, they do. Yeah. And it sucks, right? But sometimes the dice just don't want you to hold a person, you know? Or to charm them. Yeah, no, yeah. I get it. Their turns are immediately up. So they get to save pretty much immediately. And which at first I think I, but also Justin was like, whoa, they just saved. And he's like, no, 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 it's their turns. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. But they fail again, ironically enough. That's, you know, two fails each directly after each other. Yeah, that was that was crazy. (laughs) And we jump to Fitzroy, who goes into a rage. (gasps) Good, good. And they're kind of like, can I still go into a rage? And I was like, yes, you didn't lose your barbarian levels, my guy. Right? I was like, um, yeah, you're a barbarian and a sorcerer, so you can still do your barbarian stuff. It's kind of like our friend Rebecca the other day was having Wi-Fi problems and she equated it to having lost power, like electricity. And like, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I get that because she was like, I almost started like planning for like not having power and being like, I can't use my phone because I don't have Wi-Fi and I need a safe charge. And then she had the realization like, wait a minute, that's not a thing. Exactly. So like, you know, it's kind of the same thing here. It's like, well, I've lost my magic. I guess I don't have any more abilities. It's like, no, you do. You were a barbarian first, my guy. So I'm glad that he remembered that. Yeah. And, you know, he does it and he then tries some magic and he is successful, which now, you know, gives him an additional plus one to rolls moving forward. So we're just ignoring that first mechanic. We yep all together and are we we don't need to yell about how much we dislike rewriting that again. <laughs> I know, I know. This is just confirmation that they're rewriting yes, the they rules. They have officially rewritten the rules. I mean, they did it that you know two episodes ago, mm-hmm. but they've clearly stuck with what they rewrote it to. Yes, at least that is a good thing. Yeah, but his golden lightning magic uh, <gasps> comes to the surface as he holds onto a few stalactites and steadies himself as some necrotic energy flows out from him. The mo- the moss around him graying and blackening around him. That's like literally perfect. That's exactly what needed to happen here. Griffin was only able to do his rage action. He didn't get an action action because to rage is a bonus action, right? Well, he probably counted like holding on to the stalactites because remember, he made the move to like hold on to them as opposed to like fly into them. So his action was to it was probably like, brace himself. Yeah, which I would say is a more than fair call for an action. That's true. Yeah. At first, I was like, excuse me, he only did rage and the magic was an effect of that rage. Yeah. But now that, yeah, he chose to essentially lessen the blow. His action was essentially like, catch on to I'm going to catch the stalactites rather than die on them. I'm going to catch these hands. <laughs> catch these stalag hands. <laughs> but yeah, we move on and the boys have caught the attention of the third guard who Oops. runs down to help the other two. Oops. Argo steals the visible weapons off the two guards who were held, Ugh, which is super that. smart. Yes. We do get an update on Kai, so we did not forget Yay. about Kai like we were worried. He did not Mimi and Boon Kai. Not Mimi and Moon Kai. <laughs> he is just wandering around dazed. Oh. <laughs> and as the third guard is heading down, Master Fearbulk tries to glue the boots together of the guards that are down here still, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he rolls a one, which means that the glue does not hold at Ugh. all. So that's such a shame because it was such a good idea. Yeah, it was a genius idea, but man, that dice did not side with him. One of Justin's classic moves. Classic glue traps. Classic glue move. <laughs> One of the guards gets freed from the whole person spell and punches a fear bulb. Uh, uh, <laughs> which, I, I mean, I feel like you know what I'm going to say. I do. 
You can say hold person happens at the freeing yourself from hold person happens at the end of your turn. Exactly. So he should not be able to have gotten to punch him. No, he should not have an action. It happens at the end of his turn. Yeah, it makes no sense that happened. That's just misreading rules. Yeah, and it should have. But I will say it should have been on the fear book to be like, hey, I know you don't have my spell in front of you, but I do. It's the end of the turn. Exactly. Yes. Like, listen, and I'm sure you can speak to this more than I can because you have DM'd so much more than I have, but. There is so much going on on the DM's plate. They have to worry about initiative order. They have to worry about what the enemies and the NPCs are going to be doing. Mm -hmm. So it is just as much the responsibility of the player to know what their spell or their attack can do and to make sure that the DM is aware of everything and holding them accountable. And also holding themselves accountable. Like, yes, if I forget a negative effect to your thing, like, you know, be a responsible player and tell me that I messed up. Yeah. You know, like, I know it can feel like you didn't do the homework and you're telling on yourself by being like, I know we had homework. But I mean, if we're going to follow the rules, we got to follow the rules, right? Like, exactly. And our one of our players, Dane, is spectacular at this. Yes. Dane is like the king of like, didn't we have homework? (laughs) He's always just like, teacher, you said we were going to have a pop quiz today. Like, but no, he is very, very good. But it's so funny because it's never to his benefit. Like, he's no. not like, because, you know, usually that's like the one kid that is like really good at pop quizzes. So they're like, didn't we have a pop quiz? And everyone hates them. Yes. But Dane's like, I know I didn't study, but like, if I'm being honest, you did say we were having a quiz today. Exactly. No, it is never, ever to his benefit, except for like a couple times. And so when he does do those moments where he's like, actually, my spell says this, so it should be affecting them like this. I'm so much more, I mean, I'm not the DM, but I'm so much more like willing and ready to accept that because he owns up to his own detriment all the time. Yeah. Just keep it honest and then no one worries about it, you know? Exactly. Fitzroy pulls out his maul and smashes into a nearby stalactite and succeeds. Yay! The biggest one collides into a cabinet below, splitting it wide open. Oh, man! (laughs) Which is great because as we know, these are like hella compression magic. So the second that's broken, it like explodes and thousands of sheets of paper fly everywhere covering the floor oh my god he now kicks off the boot with a stone in it which you know i had said she should have done immediately mm-hmm. <laughs> last episode you did say that and he begins to fall back to the ground again because who cares he's raging and it's gonna be like what 2d6 of damage in the worst case exactly initially i was doing the same thing where i was like panicking i was like now you have gravity pulling you in the opposite direction but like he's a barbarian he's got this uh, as fitzroy readies to fall argo throws a handful of his ball bearings on the floor to try and yes. trip up the third guard yes but the guard handily slides over them with a very successful desks check how do you explain story-wise like visually avoiding all those ball bearings you don't have to avoid them people people can get good at like walking on ball bearings and stuff and he's just like one of those like like well travis Travis gives us a reason he says that this guard is like a national like skating champion yeah and he's able to just like skate across them because all that ball bearings do is essentially create like difficult terrain well, no, like, like if we're talking like on a real, real level, like if you as a person were to slip on a ball bearing, it's because it makes you lose your traction and it, you know, it creates too much momentum for you to kind of like handle. Mm-hmm. But if you are someone that trains yourself to like handle that loss of momentum and balance yourself on them and kind of even roll along above them, I'm sure that that's a skill someone has. That's probably like a sport somewhere, you know? <laughs> 
That would be so... I would go watch that sport. I don't even really watch sports, but I'd go to that one. Like, I'm pretty sure if you Googled, like, walking over ball bearings or something like that, someone's done it. Someone's done And someone's, like, wicked good at it. They've probably, like, moonwalked across them or, like, danced on top of them. You know, it's kind of like the fact that people can, like, log roll, you know? Like, theoretically... <laughs> It yeah. shouldn't be possible, but people do it. But they do it, and they'll like do crazy, crazy stuff on logs. So I think I think that's kind of how you. I mean, but again, again, at the end of the day, it's always like at some point, it's a just like we said last episode, it's a mechanics-based system. Whether it makes sense or not, sometimes you have to be like, well, yeah, you rolled a twenty-three on this check, so. Of course you're going to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And you can even kind of maybe alternate that role a little bit, right? And be like, well, they're not walking over the ball bearings. They're dexterous enough to find the one spot on the floor where the ball bearings aren't covering and kind of literally just tiptoe through the rolling ball bearings or something like that, right? I don't know that song. I do know Tiptoe Through the Tulips. Tiptoe I... Through the Ball Bearings. <laughs> yeah, you don't know that. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, Tiny Tim Classic. I've missed that one. Oh, God. You miss a lot of things, Lauren. I do, but this one's the most shameful. <laughs> Master Fearbolt punches the guard who punched him, so he's confused about... he keep, They keep being confused about which guard is which, and it's, like, confusing for me at the end of the day, too. Same. <laughs> and, you know, he's very much like an eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. And the other guard shakes off the hold person spell and puts out a knife, <gasps> swiping at Argo and hitting him. Yikes. Again, end of your turn, not beginning. Exactly. But we're just fast and loose over here. <laughs> yeah. The guard who's punching the fearbug tries to grapple him, but the fearbug is able to break free. Someone alert, queen. Oh my god. He didn't want to break free. He successfully broke free. <laughs> so instead of I want to break free, just I broke free. I did break free. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> As he breaks free, Fitzroy lands, and he takes even less damage, because not only is he raging, but, like, the papers, it's so much paper that it basically creates, like, a paper cushion for Mm -hmm. him. And he purposefully, like, drops out of rage for, you know, himself. He's unable to cast a spell, like, he fails on his, you know, little thing. Mm -hmm. So he ushers Kai out of the room instead. And I love that they kind of play it, like, he kind of, like, has to, like, walk him through everyone fighting. Like, I just imagine, like, the scene is, like, you know, Argo, like, trying to, like, rip the guard arm off of his like neck as the other guard is like jumping through the ball bearings as like a knife is sliding into Argo's back and throughout the chaos uh, there's a Fitzroy just slowly guiding this very this guy on a very very strong trip <laughs> being like it's okay bud it's okay you got this let's go man it's like walking that a little old lady across the street in the midst of like a huge car wreck exactly exactly <laughs> it's like some Mr. Magoo level visuals there <laughs> Yes. Uh, and I love it. I love it. I love it. That was it. great. The guard from upstairs, after successfully navigating the ball bearings, dives at Argo, but he throws himself a little too to the side, and the guard trips, falling to the ground. So he avoided all his ball bearings just to end up on the ground anyways. What a loser. What a loser. <laughs> <laughs> We're back at the top with Argo, who uses his dual wielding to use the stun batons on the two guards nearest him. Oh, he yeah. hits both, one injured and the other falling down stunned. Nice, nice. Master Fearbulk attempts to charm the last guard and is successful. Again, Ugh. just get in those rolls. I'm so proud of him. And Fearbulk essentially asks the charmed guard to take care 
of the third guard. So he very successfully incapacitates him. So he does kind of have to stop him from like killing him. Mm -hmm. He's like, hey, bud, like, you know, like, hey, friend, take care of him for me. And he's like, yeah, I got it. I'll kill him. And he was like, oh, God, no, 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 please. And after the, you know, essentially, like after he takes care of the third guard, they're essentially out of combat. There's no one really to stop them. Yeah. So Master Fearbrook asks the charmed guard to go tell everyone that there's no danger and everything's fine. He's like, got it. Ugh, clutch, clutch move. Love it. Love, super smart. Charming uh, an enemy is always, especially a guard, is a mar- smart move a lot of times. Ugh, it's so, so good when it works. It's so good. Yeah. Fitzroy has the genius idea of reducing one of the outer cabinets, therefore mm-hmm. compressing a compression spell on itself. Uh, and as it starts to shake violently, Fitzroy looks at everyone and says, like, we're leaving. And Argo pops one of the other cabinets open and Fitzroy puts the smaller cabinet into this one. Which I immediately was like, this is genius. This is going to create like a breaking chain effect. This is like black hole stuff. And this is going to create chaos. This is going to blow the place. This is exactly what they were aiming for, right? Like this is going to create chaos, which is what we're hoping for. So I was super into this. Yeah. And uh, Master Fearbulk pulls out the navigational yarn and tells that they are leaving, and the yarn unravels and goes in the opposite direction of the escape route. Nice. So the boys follow the string, and they leave through the sealed doors just as the room is filled with tiny flecks of paper as the cabinets explode. Success! Yeah, it's super awesome. Mm -hmm. I love it. Again, at this point, I'm still like, best episode, best episode. Riding high. I was like, yes! The boys have successfully destroyed the records, and Fitzroy hears someone approaching, and it's the Commodore who urges them to follow him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how did they know they were there? (laughs) Those are my initial thoughts. Obviously, we know a lot as we go through, but... We do. My initial thought was, oh, he's at the Emissary of Grey, right? So he's like, gonna get the boys out before anyone realizes that they were there i immediately was like how did you know to find them here right now oh you were suspicious i was not suspicious at all i was suspicious i mean i've been suspicious of the entire time because remember we had that conversation where i was like is he even still working for gray Mm -hmm. and we were like well of course he is look and then here we get no he's he's clearly not. not because you know they're also kind of suspicious and they kind of all like ready well like fitzroy ready's in action and mm-hmm. as they move forward, essentially, like, they have to do wisdom saving throws, and they fail all except for the fear bulk, and Commodore, like, freezes them, and he's like, yeah, no, I'm not actually working for Grey, I'm working for Chaos and oh, Order, man. and his eyes turn white, and, you know, he's kind of just monologuing at them. He is! I was so shook. I mean... Not really, but also show. I think it was, I think it's a genius story beat. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Yes. Uh, it made sense. And I, even though I like kind of saw some of it coming, I honestly just thought he was betraying them because like his pride was hurt. Having Same. him working for order and chaos is such a better story beat. It is. I really enjoyed this like double bluff that we had. And he's right. And I mean, and this is kind of where I thought he was going was like, I am mad at you guys and I'm tired of Gray because I, had, I hate that he's working for you now, working with you now. Mm-hmm. The part that I knew for sure was more the like, I'm going to turn you guys in and be an even bigger hero. And that is still what his plan kind of was. Yes, because he we've seen in his past that he manipulates and uses other people's successes and claims them as his own, right? Yes. So this is perfect for him. And it makes him, I mean... I was like kind of sad that we were going to have to work with the Commodore potentially as one of Gray's allies. But now I'm like, oh, you're super bad. You killed Argo's mom. You're dead to me. Hell yeah. Yeah. I hate that guy. Hate that guy. Me and all my friends hate the Commodore. Your real friends do. 
Hello everyone, it's me, PJ, your host, producer, and friend, here's always to thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you're enjoying the episode. Keep up with all new episodes by following us on social media. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TalkinTaz. On Facebook, you can also find the official TalkinTaz group, where you can interact with us as well as other fans of the podcast. Or go to our website, talkin-taz.pinecast.co, for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. Links to all of that can be found in the show notes. If you're enjoying the show, tell your friends about it and leave a review on iTunes. It really does help. Thanks for tuning in. Now, back to the podcast. So we kind of get this in the entire time. Fear Rogue isn't frozen, but like he's just kind of interact, like just listening. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he literally just looks says like, mind your beesness and slams the jar of bees on his head. The Fear Rogue critically succeeds. Nat 20 is this attack. And yeah! the Commodore starts to panic as bees are set upon him. And <laughs> in his panic, he cannot see the person that comes up behind him as the mysterious saver clobbers him because Hieronymus was sent by Grey to save them. Oh my god, it was Hieronymus! Which is like, I get when Hieronymus is like, this is gonna sound weird, but Grey asked me to help you guys, and I was like, yeah, this story's taking a real fun turn here, and I love it. Yeah, no, I was like, I am so here for this <laughs> yeah i love it i love it i love seeing you know we kind of i talked about it last week having to ally yourself with like your greatest enemy because a new greater threat has approached mm-hmm. and i thought about it with the thunderman but i never for some reason my brain didn't click that obviously at some point they'd have to bring the the wiggins staffs in and they've been fighting and they'd gray. have to work with gray yes against order and chaos because like they kind of were like we're gonna cut everyone out a little bit mm-hmm. like you know like we're not gonna tell the bro- unbroken chain and all that so I almost forgot that they were at some point maybe going to bring in other people again. Yeah, same. I didn't even register that they were going to have to tell the brothers that they're now working very closely with their enemy of 500 years. Yeah. Not to mention all the other Unbroken Chain members. Yeah. Uh. Fitzroy pulls out, I think, one of my favorite The Adventure Zone moves of all time. Yes. As, as they're walking out, he takes the mask from Fearbulg. He makes it look like himself, and he places it on the Commodore's face. Yes, and then the Fearbulg glues it in place. Yeah, they do a little. They do good. a little bit of like nonsense with like adding Tides of Chaos to the roll, and I'm like, Tides of Chaos adds to a D20 roll. Oh. I, I, I don't know what's happening here, but also like I think Travis was already not giving them enough time. I think a two gives you way more than two minutes. Like I think it was going to be in place for four hours. Or two hours. I mean, it's way more than two hours mm-hmm. for a two. So whatever it is, I forget the original rules of the glue, but I feel like two is more than two hours. But regardless, they add tides of chaos to it to make it last even longer. Mm-hmm. And this is just so genius. Like, so good. I was I was still riding so high off of that business nat 20. <laughs> I was so hype. And then when he puts the mask on him and the tides of chaos it on, and I, it was so cool. Yeah, I was no. so about it. I was cheering and screaming like, oh my God, they're doing it. They're doing it. And there is now a feasible explanation as to why people saw Fitzroy here because it was just the Commodore wearing the mask the entire time. All of them head up to the atrium and they see Kai and the charmed guard talking to Holifer, who's rightfully confused with what's going on, but they Mm kind of like just kind of scurry past. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Bailey asks Blofeld, which last episode we could not remember Argo's name. name. (laughs) It is Blofeld Johnson. Which is just not as good as Chud Chud Bob's name. 
good. I, he kind of does say like, I I, can't, I regret that I saved Blofeld for this. And they're like, it's not that great. Anyways. But I'm like, it is. I like Blofeld Johnson. I'm Either way. I think it's fine. It's a fine name. I don't have any strong feelings about it. Either way. Disrespectful to the James Bond estate. <laughs> See, I didn't know it was a James Bond reference. It's, Blofeld is a James Bond villain. Oh, see. But you just can't appreciate art, Lauren. <laughs> I need... Well, listen, Clint's old, so the references he makes are old. <laughs> Can't remember anything to save my life. Oh, God. Well, Bailey asks Blofeld Johnson if he's leaving, but it doesn't say anything since he is still held, which is, like, dumb. Yeah, because the Commodore is, like, already... unconscious. Well, even about even without the unconsciousness, he would have at least gotten to retry every six seconds. Exactly. And at this point, there's been literally so many times. Also, if Fitzroy has been unheld, Argo is unheld. Well, Fitzroy successfully unheld himself. Okay, that's right. Because remember, remember, like, right when the Commodore was clobbered, they got one more chance to uh, free themselves. Yeah. And Fitzroy succeeded, but Argo did it. Okay. But again, theoretically, just six seconds later, he would get to try again. Exactly. And once the caster is unconscious, they've lost concentration. The spell's over. So yeah, it was, it should have dropped immediately anyways. Exactly. But even outside of that, let's say for some reason, Sharp Person wasn't concentration, or he was like, you know, had some funky like item where concentration was held elsewhere because mm-hmm. of like chaos magic or whatever. Still, he gets to retry. Oh, again, we don't need to get into this forever because they did it, but he should have been able to to be freed pretty easily pretty quickly 100 percent, he should have been but we move on from here uh they get out with no issue pretty much mm-hmm. and alcia sees them leaving and they and just follows them out and they are kind of like do you want to notify taryn and Fitzroy's like no hey she hates us we'll t- she's literally said she will turn us in the second she can and we don't know if she's not also working for chaos which at first i was kind of mad about like not mad about but i was like oh i think you should but at the same time he's got a valid point on both fronts yeah no at first when he's like no i'm not gonna tell her i very similar to you was like excuse me you're not gonna tell this person who's helped you and who's like on your side but then as soon as he's like she's I think gonna they, i think they were uh a little burned you know yeah understandably it makes sense i totally get it hieronymus beckons them into the alley and they are magically transported back to the school grounds yay they are standing next to gordy the lich king who is surrounded by an army of skeletons oh the school is surrounded by a web of magical protection and there are animal skeletons patrolling the perimeter of the school as rainier keeps an eye on them from the entryway Gray and Hagelmiss stand on jackal's balcony together weaving their magic together to produce a protection spell which is so freaking cool again at this Ugh. point i was still like this is the best episode of the podcast yeah you can't challenge my mind and then very quickly <laughs> well you change your such, mind. well i have such toward feelings and i can't wait to talk about them yes same 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 because so the most notable thing though is that between them and the school sends an army of demons of all shapes and sizes as chaos and order have taken over gray's army themselves oh because God. their eyes are all whited out <laughs> And they are positioned to attack the school. They are also clearly there to keep the Thundermen out. And are even extended out to protect the area where Order is going to open the portal. Even with Gordy's skeleton army, they are very outmatched. Oh my god, this is so like... If they try to go in... The answer is they will die. Yes. The, I know you don't know Lord of the Rings, but this is I know very, what Helm's Deep is. Okay. Yeah. This is very like Helm's Deep or even like that final battle at Gondor. Like you're just so in the weeds and then all of a sudden, hopefully, like there's something out there that's going to well, help just them. just like 
the eagles in Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. like the giant eagle things, we get a deus ex machina. We do, and it's like problematic. But so before we get to the deus ex machina, a hawk lands on Fitzroy's wrist, and it's Leon, Leon. and I was like, finally, y'all jerks forgot about Hawk Squire Leon. I never favorite. forgot. Those jerks forgot about yeah. Hawk Squire Leon. We never forgot about Hawk Squire Leon. No. The amount of times that we've been like, what happened to Hawk Squire Leon? <laughs> Where and is even Leon? even Fitzroy's like, oh, I kind of forgot about you. Do you need to eat? <laughs> I was like, you forgot about him. I never forgot about him. Yeah, and okay, so I we're gonna okay. So a lone figure rides up on horseback, mm-hmm. who seems to have followed Hawksquire, and they recognize Althea, and they say they got her message that Sir Fitzroy Mablecourt, Knight in Absentia for the Realm of Goodcastle, needs help, and they're like oh like who are you like where are you helping us and he's like oh yeah sorry i forgot to introduce myself i'm sir reginald thistlewhip knight in advance scout for the army of the realm of Goodcastle at their service and i have so many thoughts and so many feelings about this same okay getting it out of the way this is sick as hell yes initially the music that griffin wrote for this was awesome the chills i got when this happened i'm getting chills right now thinking about it it is such a sick nasty cool moment yes and in without the context of the rest of the series this is the best coolest thing absolutely this is one of the coolest moments just like in the lord of the rings battles like this other armies writing in and it's an army we weren't sure like existed, right? And it is so cool for that split second moment. And what's even cooler, than, but the second you start thinking about it, and I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking this, but it no. seems like you agree with me a little bit. I think I do. It is it, I feel like we got so much character development out of Fitzroy realizing that Fitz, that Goodcastle was a scam. Yes, and I was going to say the same thing. We got... Honestly, like I feel so much of his development and so much of the growth that he had comes from that realization, yes. first of all. And the moment when he, in the lying training, finally says, like, I think Goodcastle isn't real, hits so hard because you know oh, he's right. Yes. And it feels like all of that is kind of like how th- this is so cool. But it kind of spits in the face of all of that character growth in a way. Yes. No, it completely cheapens this entire journey that Fitzroy has been on, right? Because he came in hard in the beginning with, I'm going to be a knight for this place. And people are like, does it exist? And he's like, how dare you? Of course it exists. Just no one knows where it is. And then you see him start to slowly realize that this thing that he's invested his life in isn't real. All of it's been a sham. And he now has to reinvent himself. And he's been doing that. And so the fact that now all of a sudden it's real again, I was like, all of that growth, all of that realization was for nothing. And you're right. Like that moment in the lying training when he's like, I'm beginning to think Goodcastle isn't real hit so hard. It hits and so God, hard. It upsets me so much because yes. like, because I am so torn because this is such a cool moment. It's so and cool. No matter how many times I think about it, like literally every single time I think about it, my first thought is literally like chills, how sick that was, how nasty it was. God, though, why did we have to do the story like this? Exactly. And, and it, it just it tears me up a little bit because I I simultaneously think this is one of my favorite moments ever mm-hmm. and one of my least favorite moments. Absolutely agree. Because it, it's so sick, but it just it's such a I'm torn. I'm yes. torn. I, I can't definitively sit here and say that I wish it never happened because it is so cool. It's so cool. But I, I also really kind of can easily say that I don't think it was the right call. Yes. Did I sit there for like 
a couple minutes after hearing this realization, just absolutely shook. And like, I can't believe this is happening. This is so cool. Absolutely, I did. It was one of those moments where I'm going to remember it forever because it it was a really, really cool moment in time. I'm just so disappointed that now Fitzroy has done all of this incredible, hard self-realization work, essentially for nothing. Right. And it's like, obviously, it still happened, right? Like, it's not like that growth disappears. No. But it makes that growth feel purposeless. Yes. It's like if today, you know, you found out that, like, you know, you just found out, like, a harsh truth about yourself. Like, a reality you always thought was real Mm -hmm. didn't actually exist. And you spent the next five years, obviously, way less time, way more time than he spent. But, like, Mm -hmm. the next five years, like, having to kind of go on a soul-searching journey and reinvent yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. let's say you just found out that your mom isn't actually your mom or something, right? Right, right. And you had to kind of come to grips with that, come to terms with that. Maybe you start journeying to find who your birth mom is or whatever it is. And you have to reinvent your relationship with your mother. And Mm -hmm. it's hard and it's it's damaging. And you have to deal with a lot of trauma from the fact that this reality is no longer a reality. And you change very Mm -hmm. viscerally because of it. And then your parents are like, oh, actually, I don't know why we said that. This that's your mom. And yes. A, that can be additionally traumatic because mm-hmm. you've already gone through the trauma of the realizing loss. that a reality wasn't true. Yes. And that's a strong loss. Like realizing a dream and a goal of yours is impossible is loss. Like it you is. feel grief from that. Yes. You know? And having that grief compounded with the grief of realizing that you gave up on that dream for no reason is harsh. And I don't I don't know if they're gonna play that hard into this. Like, I I think we're overreaching and overthinking a little bit. But I think realistically, if this happened to a person in real life, Mm -hmm. this would be like traumatic in a way. Like, because essentially it would be like, this is going to be a weird analogy. (laughs) It's like if you thought you had a friend and everyone's like, no, that's an imaginary friend. And you finally realized that it was an imaginary friend. And then one day you realized that they weren't imaginary and you just abandoned them. Yes. You would feel like a terrible person. You would feel like a terrible person. I and you mean, feel like you gave up on someone that you should have never given up on, especially if it's something that mattered to you. Because clearly Good Castle mattered to him so much. It was, you it, know. It mattered to him. It mattered extremely like to his family too, right? Because they were all like, we're so proud of him for becoming yeah. a knight for this place, which made it so tragic that it wasn't real. So Fitzroy coming to terms with, I'm going to have to be my own hero was such a big journey for him, right? And I don't think, like you said, I think we're overthinking this and like overreaching because we're thinking of it in like the ramifications and like Fitzroy's growth and stuff. But I think Travis is just thinking about the final battle and they need help. And wouldn't it be cool if Good Castle was like real and came to help? Because this is like the opposite of the end of last episode. Mm-hmm. At the end of last episode, we kind of had a conversation about like con- dealing with the fact that mechanics kind of negate some things that would happen in a story. Yes. Right? And so like you kind of have to sometimes accept that regardless of the fact that this is how it would happen in real life, mm-hmm. the mechanics of the gameplay are going to make that so that it's not a reality here. Right. Right. right, right. But this is the opposite of that because here we are in a situation where we're having story negate story. Mm-hmm. Mechanics aren't negating the story. The story is negating itself. Yes. And whereas last episode we, I think you were overthinking it yes, into I the was. reality and I was like, no, it's just a game. I don't think you could really say that here i think it is story ruining story and yeah because role play and character growth is part of the game and it's not always mechanics driven so the fact that this has happened now does like you said negate everything that's happened in the past for fitzroy yeah and obviously like the growth is still there and it doesn't make those experiences 
inaccessible. It doesn't make it so that they never happen. It doesn't make them less important. They're still important. They but are. It, it, it does just feel like them. yeah, it cheapens them. Yeah. And I and I think I even more so feel that because I don't think they're gonna explore that. I don't think they're gonna Mm-mm. sit there and be like, wow, the trauma that comes from accepting loss and then realizing that loss acceptance wasn't necessary. I don't think they're going to work through that, which mm-hmm. makes it feel even slightly cheaper, but I also don't kind of need them to explore that at the same point. Like, I think I just need to kind of suck this up and move on from it because yeah. at the end of the day, it was still a super sick, nasty, cool as hell moment. It really, really was this night coming in and being like, I'm from Good Castle. We're here to help you because you're with a Griffin's, knight. With Griffin's like super cool music playing in the background. Ugh. And you know what? I think I'm going to choose to try to end this on that positive. We've talked at length about why we didn't like it. Mm-hmm. But we also did like parts of it. Yeah. But overall, I think this was a great episode. That, again, cheapened a lot for me. Yes. But it was still cool. And I'm still excited to see where they go with it. Especially Same. because they set up such a cool fight. This army of the the army of chaos controlled demons gray and higglemas like working together to weave magic to protect the school with mm-hmm. gordy's army and rainier's army and it's so cool and i'm excited to see where this goes and i'm going to leave it on that positive note i agree with you we should look at what's going to come and how many more cool things we're going to be seeing after a very very cool heisty episode Overall, a great episode. And that is mm-hmm. how I will choose to remember it with my caveats. I'm not going to ignore the problems because I do think Travis, you know, should consider those things more as he moves along. But yeah. overall, one of the best episodes, honestly, in general, like not even I just of graduation. This was a great episode of the Adventure Zone. Yeah, all of the Adventure Zone. This is one of those episodes I'm going to remember for a long time. Yeah, for the for better and for worse. <laughs> And that is where we are going to call it. And we're excited to see what happens next. Super excited. Mm -hmm. Very excited. But until then, I've been PJ. I've been Lauren. And we'll see you next time when we are once again talking Taz. (laughs) 